this is a very special episode of Ask Eliza Anything. Um, you know, we do a lot of advice on this show and we've all been quarantined and we're all looking for something to lose ourselves in. And a couple weeks ago at the requ- at the advice of uh, one of Noah's business partners, I, we were at Prime Pizza and he said, "Have you? are you watching Bosch? And I was like, you know what? This is the fifth person to ask me if I'm watching Bosch. And he said to me, it's a love letter to Los Angeles. And as a Los Angelino who is a transplant, I came from somewhere else, I still love seeing Los Angeles in stuff because I'm like, oh, I've been there. I've seen that. And it's a, a basic thrill, a childlike thrill, but I still get it. <laughs> and I started watching it and I fell in love with Bosch and subsequently you, Titus Welliver, you are our guest today. Thank you so much for being here. No, thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. Um, oh my goodness. So we, uh, you know, I started watching Bosch and I, I went on this rant on this Twitter rant about how much I love the show. <laughs> and I always feel like with Twitter, unless you're saying something offensive and getting canceled, nobody really listens to I, you. I know. <laughs> and I, I couldn't believe, I really just did it as an exercise. I just, typically I'm ranting about something I hate, like Sprint or ADT. <laughs> And I was just sending something positive out there, and I got, like, Michael Connolly's daughter wrote back, and then other fans of the show. Yeah, and uh, I was like, oh, my God, I I can't believe I exist. It was an existential exercise. (laughs) And my publicist was like, why don't you reach out? So we did, and you were so gracious to be here. Now, you've done so many interviews about Bosch, about your career, so I don't want to bore you with the basic questions that other people have been asking you forever. Um, Because I know... You're like, I'm here. Yeah, I'm here. Whatever you want to ask me. It's all going to be Bosch related. Um, because we got we, we went out to the fans of the show, and you've got a lot of diehard fans. And so we're just going to dive right into it. And I did read your Wikipedia page, but I won't bore you with me regurgitating well, there's what a, I read on it. There are some inaccuracies. Um, it's always the sort of seems to be the go-to thing, particularly with um, with interviewers, they go like, Oh, I'll just look, let me just do some quick homework on the Wikipedia thing. And then they got my age wrong. They talk about yeah. my personal relationships, things that I'm like, yeah, I'm not really, don't really want to, um, that's, that's exactly why we're not doing it. Also story of my life. I get a lot of questions <laughs> about my feet and my hobbies. They're like, I'm like some nerd put it on Wikipedia. I'm like, Oh, it must be true. So <laughs> pass on that. Um, so we're going to get into all things. Cause you are, uh, you've been acting for so long. You're, you're a professional. You've made, you had this long career, all of these, uh, esteemed shows and roles. And I've watched all your interviews. So the Vaughn law asks, would love to know your process for becoming this character and how you balance making it your own, bringing Bosch into this time and staying true to the original character from the books, Vietnam versus Gulf war changes in the timeline, relationships with Eleanor, et cetera. Well, you know, a lot of those decisions were sort of made sort of in, in, in the grander scale of things. If we were to have done a straight adaptation of the books, we would have been doing a period piece and we would have, uh, you know, it would be more almost like a mini series kind of thing. You know, his he's of the Vietnam War era in in the chronology in the books. Now he's he's retired. He's in his he's in his near, you know, sort of mid to almost pushing into late 60s um so the decision had to be made where are we going to find harry at what age at what point in his career and they kind of knocked mm. his age back a bit 
um, with me, meaning we sort of, we find him on, on the show sort of late forties, um, which is not that far off from my age. I mean, I'm 58 years old. Really? Because Wikipedia said you were 72, but look amazing. I'm 172. <laughs> and I have a great surgeon. Um, must be all that ginkgo biloba I take in the morning. Uh, so they, when they decided that, that they would update it and, and keep it uh, you know, present and not follow the books chronologically, and rather than to just sort of take the material, the source material from certain books, combine it and not do straight adaptations which i think was actually kind of a smart thing to do it's tricky because you know you're you're never going to make every single fan particularly you know the the um diehard fans yeah the span of his you know it's it's enormous the global appeal and how many people love Mm -hmm. michael's books never going to make everybody happy and i i get that because as a as a reader myself you know, I form my own sort of prejudice and physical, you know, ideas of characters and books. And, yeah. But anyway, the long and the short of it was that I felt certainly based on the scripts that um, Eric Obermeyer had written with, with Mike Connolly, that the character was very, very clearly defined. And I had a short period of time to kind of jump in and, and prepare for it. really short period of time. Can you talk about that a little? Well, I was shooting I, one of the Transformers movies, and so I was all over the, the United States and ultimately um, finished the film in Hong Kong. So my availability was kind of tricky. I kept trying mm-hmm. to set this meeting and everything, and uh, you know, I lost my phone, and then I was in Hong Kong, or I was in Michigan or Chicago, and, and that was months and months and months. So when I was finally cast as, as Harry... I asked Mike, what are the best books that I could read? Um, and, and, uh, to get, you know, to get into this guy's head, although mm-hmm. I thought that he was very clearly defined in the, in the pilot script. And he said, you know, the truth of the matter is that there is a, there's a common thread of, of his, of who he is throughout the books. So you can jump in anywhere and you're going to know who this guy is. So he suggested I read city of bones, which was, the first book in the first season that, that we we took from which was the uh the, the episode the, with yeah, yeah the bones jason gedrick yes exactly or the, the season with him the bones right. case of the of the kid found who'd been murdered up on the hill the, 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 yeah so i had the opportunity to i had a really really long ass flight from back and forth from la and hong kong so i was able to read city of bones a couple of times but truth be known, um, it, there was no need to really kind of improve it or appropriate something. Um, the, 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 the process, the gestation was for me of just reading the book and kind of sitting with the book. Mm-hmm. I kind of knew who this guy was right away. And like um, it's kind of on par with a type of character you like you play badasses whether good or bad like there's a, like it's a steely like there's a toughness right so you it feels like you bring that to the character even though he's already that but that's kind of who you are well he's harry's a very um I, i'm a much more sort of emotionally demonstrative person whereas harry <laughs> is a very inverted it's not that i i'm incapable of being inverted uh, there's no judgment here yeah 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 
but he's a very, very internalized guy. Yeah. Um, and that for me makes him very intriguing and interesting to play and challenging to play. Probably the most challenging mm-hmm. character I've played in my career. Cause he's not like a Jimmy O'Fallon who's, who's loud and crazy and, and his actions are kind of out of nowhere. You know, Harry's a very decisive character. He's, he's methodical in his process. Um, he's a cerebral guy. So when he takes action, it's informed by, um, you know, his journey rather than just being sort of off the cuff. No, uh, he's, there's a, there's an intensity and obviously that's you as the actor. Uh, one specific scene I'm thinking of, and I don't want to give anything away. And I know that the, these, these seasons are several years old now and I'm very new to the party and I'm blanking on the end of the season, but when you lock eyes with the LA city developer, it's at the end of a season and you oh, know yeah. that he's, there's this shot and you're just staring at him. And I, and I kept thinking, wow, like, so it takes, it takes a lot as an actor to convey everything, but do nothing. And that speaks to your talent. And as an actor myself, I was watching that. And I was like, oh, I wonder what your thought was. What was it? In, in, in all honesty, I, I don't, I don't, um, I, I studied the method and, and um, in depth, I sort of went through the, I'm sort of from the Bruce Lee, Jeet Kune Do school of acting and looking at different um, methods of, of acting, the method included when I was at NYU, a um, little bit of Neighborhood Playhouse, a little Circle in the Square, Strasburg, Adler, and then uh, eventually connected with um, Dave Mamet, who's different from everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I found that I wasn't able to use, draw from personal experience in my life to inform performance or inspire some an emotion. Um, and in that moment, I was just sort of thinking about, this is the guy that, that killed Harry's mom. Mm-hmm. And the Spoiler idea- Spoiler alert, folks. Well, that's okay. But no, the, the, <laughs> the idea being that this, here's this thing that has informed uh, his life to the extent that he became a cop um, and chose to become an advocate for victims of violent crime because- he was a victim of a violent crime, the loss of his mother, and has this wonderful moral compass. But you have to imagine that this thing has has been percolating, you know, in a volcanic emotion uh, with Bosch for, since he's since he's twelve years old, and suddenly he's put it all together, and he's looking at the guy who actually, you know, was the last person to be with his mother and, and took her life. Long time coming. And, and I thought, oh, this is tricky because, you know, uh, you know, it, I didn't, you didn't want too much hand-wringing and mustache twirling. <laughs> but it had to be that thing of Harry that you, where you would see that, for me, I wanted to convey that the audience might have a, 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 a sense of concern for Harry that this could be the catalyst for him going over the line. Right. And I, and I think, and I don't know, look, I, I've, I've seen that scene um, maybe two times. Um, okay. So, but people have remarked about that in the past. And that was something that sort of uh, consistently people say, 
yeah, I, you could you sensed his seething, but also I thought mm, if 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 Harry was alone with this guy right now, would he would he act out? Would he take his life? And I, you know, my response, my simple response was, don't know, you know. I don't know. Because he know. doesn't really break the rules. He bends the rules. He doesn't break them. Well, he was given the opportunity. He was alone with him in in the tunnel. Mm-hmm. And the man shot at him. So Harry would have been completely within his right to to defend himself and kill him. And yet he he, sh- he chose to to not kill him. Um, so but, he could rot in jail. And yeah. that's a sweeter, a sweeter revenge. Are those tunnels real? Uh, this is... The, in the show, for those of you that don't know, they go underground one of the hotels and there's all these tunnels that used to connect to like an old sub, subway line. Were those real? Was that set decorated? Is that a thing? No, no, no. That 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 was 100% real. And, and several wow. stories underneath Los Angeles. And so we had to have these EPA guys and stuff down there with us that were constantly taking oxygen readings and everything because they would sort of, you know, at, at a certain point they'd say, okay, everybody needs to go back up top. Because there's no, there's no, you know, genuine air wow. air circulation. Those tunnels are ancient. Uh, I'm trying to think if we even. I, my recollection is no, that entirely was shot on location. There was only one little piece that we faked, which was the building uh, by Angel's Flight that Harry comes up out of that. That subterranean thing that that was built. We built that little building there for them to okay. come out of. This is a small thing, only because that episode is fresh in my head. Uh, because my husband and I power watched like four to five solid hours of Bosch a night. Good lord! And my hope was that I would finish it before this interview, but I have half a season left. Okay, that little building that was built. Uh, there was no lock on the door on the outside, and I thought to myself that would have been overrun with homeless people yeah. if it was unlocked. So I knew that wasn't real. Yeah. <laughs> Caper solved. No, I know. And they, the, the thing is that Chester, who's our, who's our designer, he does such an incredible, I mean, he builds these sets sometimes and I'm just kind of staggered by how seamless it all is. I mean, for instance, there's no basement in the Alamo. No. Uh, that's a Pee Wee Herman <laughs> reference and joke. Right. There's no basement in 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 the stilt house that Bosch lives in, so right. we had to um, not we they um, Chester designed this really cool basement with a trap door and all and all that, so that we had a place which it made perfect sense for Harry, which he always says, you know, somebody says, oh, this is a great place. It's a great view. And he, Harry says, I didn't buy it for the view. I got it because there's one way in and one, one way, way in, out. One way out. And, yeah. the, and so <laughs> all that culminating into that kind of um, almost sort of straw dogs um, witness mm-hmm. um, siege of them coming to Harry's house and then him dropping mm-hmm. him down into the basement. Uh, that was all all a set. That whole basement thing was all built. And then we built a little box set underneath the house for Harry to come out of so that he could, the dog could come running out and Harry could take, take out the bad guys. Which yeah, is, I remember, oh, go ahead. No, 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 it was just one of my favorite sequences. It's, so a couple of things about that. One, I live around where, the, well, I know where that house is yeah. because 
I figured it out. Out of the left side of your periphery in that house, there is this FBI safe house up on one of the ridges here uh, in the hills. Mm-hmm. Um, I live on the other side of it, but I was able to sort of triangulate where that is. And then I found out you could Google it. Uh, so I know exactly where the house is. And I remember thinking, LA houses don't really have basements. So that's cool to know that it was built. That scene, and what I love about this show is it creates, the stakes are so high and it creates such suspense. You know Harry Bosch isn't going to get killed, but you actually think it might happen. Yeah. Like deep down, you know, whether it's you hanging out of the plane or that scene, they're so artfully done. And what I love is that the fight scenes never, it's never an exhausting action scene. It's you like one shot, it's done. It's so realistic the way it would happen. And he's so technically proficient at what he does. Yeah. And he so seldom messes up. So you never get action fatigue yeah, no, from watching I, the show. Well, no, no, no. And, and, and that's something that um, Alex Daniels, who's our stunt coordinator, he and I are, whenever we go over action stuff like that, because Harry has this background, um, you know, one of the things I said is if, if there's ever hand-to-hand combat, it's got to be very, very grounded. The, the, you know, there's no rules in a street fight. And, you know, when you put him into a physical combat situation with his skill set, you know, it, there's there's none of this stuff, which right. I love. Don't get me wrong. Um, I, I dig that. But those kind that kind of hand to hand combat stuff it's it's um it's fast it's fast it's hit hard and and the way that those that operators are trained are to inflict the most amount of damage it's, it's fight and flee and get out mm-hmm. so it's there's no fat on that and it can be kind of sloppy um look i mean i love the hand to hand sequences in the born movies i mean that's that's um, those things are ballet and they're beautifully, um, choreographed. I, I just wanted it to, I always feel like we try to really keep the show grounded in that way, even when it's messy. Um, and, and to me, it's, it takes a lot of effort to make it look messy and to make it look real, but we have a great, um, you know, fight choreographer, stunt coordinator, Alex Daniels. So that's no, I love it. it. And the show is not short. You know, it's every Cop is okay. Every cop show, every drama show, every crime show, you know, they pick and choose where the gore and the guts and stuff like that is going to be. Some shows, it's just severed heads all day, every yeah. day. And I really appreciate it. And I love gory stuff, but Bosch is not above, Bosch is in the show, is not above showing severed limbs yeah. or something gory. But then there isn't a ton, like they're very strategic about seeing it. So you're not ever overwhelmed, but you never feel like you're watching a television show and that you're not seeing right. any of that. You know, it's not like PG. I also kind I appreciate, and I put this in my rant, at the first couple seasons, you know, at the first season he's dating someone and then you see he's got an ex-relationship, he dated someone but he isn't like a lot of our modern day detectives, which are these high functioning alcoholics. They're basically Don Drapers with badges. Yeah. He, he comes off like a real man who probably wants a life partner, but is married to his job, capable of loving his daughter in whatever way he can, but he's not so afflicted that he's uh, supernatural. Yeah. No, I, I, and also quite honestly, I, I felt because there's, there's always the attempt. I mean, the relationship, the Brasher-Bosch relationship was interesting because 
Annie Wershing, first of all, brought so much um, gunpowder to that to that role. And you mm-hmm. saw what was kind of sweet was you saw Harry in a school almost odd schoolboy way be smitten yeah. with this woman, and so that when she crossed the line, it it, it was such a source of disappointment mm-hmm. and heartbreak for him because he mm-hmm. really obviously was growing closer and closer and closer to this woman. But uh, as I've said always to the writers, um, you know, Eleanor is really his, his, his one true love. And, yeah. you know, there was talk about um, getting a, uh, a love interest together for him. And there was one idea that I thought was, was really interesting. And maybe, maybe we'll, we'll pop it in the final season. Probably not. Um, but I said, I, I think it's important to kind of keep Harry on his own, particularly in the wake of Eleanor being killed. He's still processing that loss. It's compounded by the dissolution of their marriage because of his work and his, and that kind of myopic thing with him that I just didn't want it to be contrived. Um, I, I so often find that it, it's tough. And yeah, like you said, the, the, the cliche of, you know, the cop who's, you know, hammer, having sex all night all, and going to work. Yeah. Or just yeah. James bonding it. I mean, you know, in the original right. pilot, when we shot that, there was a scene where there was this really endearing scene where Bosch sort of asks to, to borrow Brasher's flashlight, but it's a little ruse. He covers up his flashlight with a, with a cloth. As a as a way to to um, to sort of move forward to working the courage up because he's sort of immediately smitten with her when he sees her, mm-hmm. um, and um, and there was something very endearing about that. But in, in the pilot, then he was still kind of carrying on in, from with a previous relationship with a coroner, and we shot a really um, intense graphic, you know, naked, full nudity sex scene. But it came, it was almost like a smash cut from him doing this really uh, sweet gesture of hiding his flashlight so that he could borrow hers and engage her Mm. to major, you know, uh, uh, acrobatic sex scene. And I always felt that it didn't work. I I, I just said, eh. It's. It makes him seem like he's a, not that guy. He's not that guy. He seems like kind he's of a scumbag player. I mean, he's not James Bond. You know. Um, no, he he seems to me like, and take this as you will. Like he's your he's your dad. He's your vet dad that needs a woman to soften the rough edges. Yeah. You know, men get a little bit older, and it's you want to have a partner in life. He's not out there playing the field. No. You know. Um, no, because that becomes rapid- gross. That 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 no, that just becomes kind of like yeah, you know, guys with women that are twenty, thirty years, they're they're junior. Totally. Uh, that's I mean, and look, that's also that's also just sort of Hollywood's take on things and society's kind of twisted ideas. Um, and your preference, of course, if if we all had our choices, but. Uh, I, I like how, and also it wouldn't make sense for him to have that and then everything else be so grounded. Um, yes. But I like him. I like he's, you root for him. The Afro Clan asks, all the characters on the show seem to be well-written and fleshed out. Who's your favorite character besides yours or Coltrane? <laughs> <laughs> Who's your favorite character besides yours? You know, 
I, um, well, Jay Edgar has a lot of um, really interesting stuff. So, and that character, but I think it's, I'm too close mm. as being Harry. I'm, I'm so close to Jamie that I think I'm biased in that way because we we're, we're so he and I are so close yeah. offset as well as we are on set. Um, I find uh, uh, Irving chief Irving's character. Um, and, and I attribute this not only to the writing, but really first and foremost to Lance Reddick's um, performance. I just, He's, so intense. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, here's the thing. I know Lance. He's I, I adore him. I know, yes, Irving's a very intense character. It's Lance, is he incapable of being intense? Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't want to have an argument with him. He <laughs> he's first and foremost one of the deepliest hilarious people. And he's also, I'm a sci-fi comic book nerd. He's probably two steps above me in mm. in in the sci-fi comic book nerd world so he and i have conversations and jamie hector is always going like what, what who are we talking about now spider-man right he's the guy that it's shoots it's its own thing yeah he's like he shoots the webs right and we just look at him like philistine oh, um <laughs> philistine. But, um i have a question but that's a deeply about- nuanced performance and character and i feel like lance's has injected that character with a level of complexity that i don't i don't even know is 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 on on the uh on the page and for me i would say the most one of the most staggering moments it was when he walks into the the bodega when his son has been shot uh it was um very, very still and so very, still. very measured. But it, I flash on that and it, it, it'll make me teary. It's still, mm-hmm. it's, it's one of the, it's one of those moments. You know, I, I, I remember one time saying to Lance, um, who, who is also one of the most humble people that I know, I said, it reminds me of when at the end of Bridge from the River Kwai, when Alec Guinness goes, what have I done? As the, as the bridge is going up. Um, it's my, it's just a mind blower. So that's, uh, that's a long winded answer to who, who my favorite character is. No, I watching that scene. I actually remember, I just remember thinking, what's he going to do? Does this, he has to cry. When does this character cry? Does he break down because he's so stoic? He's so contained and he's, there's a rigidity to him. Yeah. I actually do an impression uh, of Irving Irving. Hit it. Okay. Because everything is just detective. Where the fuck is Bosch? Detective bippity boppity boo. <laughs> it's just very hard consonants. <laughs> it's him saying detective a lot. I, well, he says Bosch more than anybody else on the show. Bosch. Somebody str- Bosch. They, 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 they strung together a whole bunch of things of him just going, Bosch. 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 <laughs> Bosch. Um, he loves you. He, he, I just, I've loved watching the progression of him being skeptical of you, relying on you. And then in the, with the whole seahorse pendant, all of a sudden oh yeah, you see the cracks. In the, I just love it. I love, and I, I think he's my favorite one too. And he's so severe as the, as 
uh, Irving, as Jesus, as the chief of police, that when he does smile with his girlfriend, when yeah. he does break, you're, you, you almost, you've, you want it so badly. Like yeah. you want to see the guy have fun. I, I want to know what his day to day is. Well, that relationship, um, that relationship that they have is beautiful. I have to say. And, and, uh, I remember the first, uh, the first time we saw them together on, on a date, um, they, they dance beautifully together as actors. Um, and that relationship mm-hmm. is so grounded. There's nothing contrived. It's, it's it's just uh it's just beautifully acted so for me when i get to watch i look forward to those scenes because they there's a there's a you see the depth of irving's kindness and who Mm -hmm. he is because in the way that harry is only vulnerable to a certain degree when he's with maddie that's the only time we see irving's vulnerability um is when he's with his wife with uh young pack Right. There's only there's so there's so little softness in the show, and she's all soft. Yeah, uh, but also um, really really smart. You know, sure. um, she's a she's a really really strong character and a, and an intellectual and uh, and understands the the machinations of, of politics and um, and is also while encouraging and supportive is also you know she's she's a she's a really complex character too. Mm-hmm. Brett Stott and Jackie Brown five. And these were not the only questions about this, but I gave those two a shout out. Uh, they, they got to know how you really feel about fat tire. Is it your true beer of choice? I don't drink. Um, okay. so I, 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 the fat tire you see me drink on the show is, uh, it's water in a bottle, but right. I have lots of friends who swear by the, uh, the nutritive benefits of drinking fat tire. Speaking of water in a bottle, this is a note from a fan, and that is me. Sometimes the coffee cups are not full, and I can tell. So please tell your props department. Fill up the coffee cups. Yeah, you. I don't know if you've noticed, but you don't see me doing a lot of eating or drinking on that show. Um, no, I don't. And that's it's <laughs> just it's a, kind of a rule with me. I just I I don't like doing doing that because I've always felt like that's it's really easy to get um, caught up in that. I'm not a prop. Yeah. I'm not a proppy guy. It, it doesn't work. For, it's specific also to Harry is that when you've got someone who is, there's an economy of movement with that character. Um, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, but I don't know. I never noticed that. I mean, certainly that's not the case with um, the scenes where Maddie and I are doing stuff because um, I am kind of, you know, I'm one of those guys of like, don't pantomime the door, you know, there's yeah. a real door there, open the door and come through it. Um, yeah. Uh, it's a small thing. I, it's a weird thing. And I had to say something, otherwise I'd be remiss as a fan. Coffee cups. Uh, I also noticed, I mean, you're a veteran actor and there are a lot of veteran actors on this show. Uh, Troy Evans, Mimi Rogers. I mean, these are people, these are actors, actors. And you notice that, and this is just for people at home. Actors that have been doing this a while never get caught eating in a scene, you know, because you're like, oh, I don't want to be eating pancakes for the next 12 hours. Yeah, yeah. People, it, they know better. Well, it's also just like if it's not going to really move the story. I mean, I understand that. Look, everybody goes through that when you're when you're studying, you're kind of finding your way in the beginning 
mm-hmm. as an actor, when, when you start uh, addressing um, issues and, and the nuance of behavior when you're on stage, or that stuff telegraphs beautifully on stage. But, um, you know, everybody has their spit bucket nightmare stories. Um, right. I, look, there are, are some characters who, I mean, I think on Deadwood, I was always taking a shot of something. The guy was constantly mm-hmm. keeping himself well-oiled. But it, the thing, it, it just doesn't work for Harry. Um, right. And also, I don't like getting... I know that if I made that choice, now, if, it, if it's going to move the story along, and we've had a couple things where Maddie's cooked for Harry mm-hmm. um, and things like that. Um, was it Swiss enchiladas? Yeah, it was horrible. I had to take a bite of those. They actually weren't bad. Um, the name doesn't sound right. Is that Swiss cheese on a yeah, enchilada? Yeah, they're like a Swiss cheese enchilada. No, I don't um, know. Yeah, it's really easy to get um, caught up with that. And... Uh, I just don't want to. I always sort of feel like the focus of the thing is the is is the intent of the story and sure, you know, behavior behavioral stuff happens um, when it when it works it works, but for me as an actor, you get too caught up in that, then it's it becomes really self conscious and kind of pretentious, and I don't want to watch that as an actor, so I sure as shit don't want to perpetrate that in my own work because to me that's a crime against art so i uh i did a a movie recently in the final scene we're all eating lobster and it's one of my favorite foods in the world and none of the other act none of the other actors were eating theirs and i was like are you kidding me i'm not giving up lobster five pounds of lobster meat later yeah (laughs) i was like i'm so sick but it was so worth it to have i would you know what if you put yeah are are they gonna (laughs) maybe i'll remake that film because just for an excuse to eat lot that's that's my desert island food. Maine, yeah. Maine lobster and steamers from Maine. So the so the desert island is right off the coast of Maine. Yeah. Cuz yeah, yeah, like like Ilaho, like some place where the lobster is plentiful and there's there's steamers and and quahogs and all the stuff yeah. that I need. Write it in season 7, Bosch, the whole thing ends. <laughs> Just gorging himself on lobster meat. I'm actually my my girlfriend asked me the other day, "What do you want for for Father's Day?" And I went lobster. I went Maine lobster. Uh, there's a lobster pound in, in the little town of Belfast, Maine. Young's Young's Lobster Pound. Um, shout out to Young's Lobster. Oh pound. yeah, yeah. Okay, I guess that was a shout out, inadvertent shout out. I've known these people since I was a little boy. I grew up eating. They'll their, love their it. Lobster. It is without question the best. Um, you guys tag them on Instagram. Tell them Titus sent you. Yeah, and I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Um, going to call them up and have them uh, FedEx a couple of thousand pounds of lobster meat. And I'm just going to sit there in, in large sweatpants and just oh eat. I'm sorry. I, I, I love I, that. I overshot. No, I thought, I thought it cut out for a second. I was like in the middle of his fantasy. This my computer cut out. Uh, Lynn 756 says, what do you like to do when you aren't acting? Now I know that you paint and I know your father was a famous painter mm-hmm. is, was. Uh, so what else do you do besides Besides paint, or is it just paint? Um, well, I I like riding my bicycle around Venice, where I where I live. Um, I love riding my bike. You know, the truth of the matter is, I really, um, well, I love films. 
so you know the quarantine has uh been the sort of the optimum use of that kind of amount of free time watching mm-hmm. you know watching new films although there's not a lot of new content watching films that i didn't see which means i've definitely watched more than my share of shitty films from the 80s um <laughs> But revisiting all the all the great stuff, you know, complete works of Scorsese and Coppola and Kurosawa and John Ford, and um, and that way, I, I I watch a lot of film. I spend a, a lot, lot of, of time, even not in the quarantine scenario, and and I read voraciously. Um, but my my uh, my favorite pastime, and this may sound. Uh, cheesy to some people um is spending time with um my family with 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 my uh with my woman and our kids and um who would that sound cheesy to a monster that's a very no, legitimate answer people, no it's just it's the true it's the truthful answer and i love cooking which has been the whole thing that's been so much um i love to cook i don't consider myself a foodie but I've always loved to cook. And obviously as things were kind of percolating along with, with, with Corona, the the idea was, yeah, I don't really want to order stuff. Um, you know, because the information was so sort of slow and coming. It was like, well, Jesus, if I, if I order a burger, if I do this or that, then what do I have to, what's the process? And, And so, you know, I would just run out. Of course, you know, the, the grocery store became this, kind of venture out into the zombie apocalypse and and um (laughs) and i would find myself you know being really strategic about everything that was on my list and almost you know in an ocd way graphing it knowing that you know aisles one through seven okay i'm gonna work it from left to right or you know um it's it's that's got a whole new meaning so that's really what I what I what I do in my so spare you're a, time. You're a normal normal guy. Yeah, I like I walking think... in the woods. I'm I've got a place back in in my home state of Connecticut that's in up in the mountains, and that's where that's really sort of uh, you know it's it's very remote. It's in the middle of nowhere, and and I like just going there and walking around. And I'm looking I, uh... forward to getting there. Yeah, to flying anywhere and having a break from this break. Uh, yeah, I get that question too. You know, what do you like to do? And I never have these. I'm not one of these like weekend warriors. I don't have like, well, when I'm not jumping out of helicopter right. helicopters, I raise horses. I'm right. like, I read and I stare at the wall and I do a lot of breathing in home workouts, squeezing my dog. What I love about this show and what sold me on it. It is a true love letter to Los Angeles, but not in the way that we've seen. There's no romantic. It's not romanticizing LA and it's not a fetishization of it. It's, I used to live on Wilcox. So that Wilcox police station was my police station. And I put this in my tweet. It really depicts Hollywood for the absolute hole that it is. It is. It's, it's people like, Oh, Hollywood. You're like, it's disgusting. And I say that as a resident of the, of the city. Um, and this, it's. I do get this excitement when I see a street, when they say Kawanga or they say a restaurant because it's real. I do. He does eat a lot on Hollywood Boulevard. Yeah, he does. And that is weird for me because 
you don't look like a Swedish tourist. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know. <laughs> he goes to, and he goes to Elko. Oh, this is part of my bottom of the cup, whatever. But he goes to these places. He does a lot of takeout. But I love the thrill. And it's all, and it's almost interesting to me. It's like each season sort of explores a facet of Hollywood, mm. whether it is Chinatown or the Koreatown murders, right. you know. He does seem to get around L.A. with the greatest of ease because this can't be a show about him sitting in traffic on the 405, which he never seems to hit. But I love how it really depicts L.A. for exactly how it is. Well, Harry's got a he's got a, he can light people up and get through traffic. All um, that's true. So he that's how he gets he gets through. But yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we, we, we do sometimes we try to be really aware of that. Of, yeah. of you know, and not turning it into the that hysterical Fred Armisen character. I did the throw five to the two oh. four to the you know grapes the, <laughs> the, the ten, Californians. Yeah, the Californians. It's uh, but that's also so true. They're both rooted in such truth. It's a hundred percent true. I've heard 100%. those conversations, you know, online at the Burger Lounge. And I just, you know, it's like you feel like Woody Allen and Annie Hall. You yeah. know, where he's like, I, I need a large polo mallet. Um, you, know, you just want to go like, Jesus Christ, the, the banality of this conversation. I mean, you don't have to be discussing Nietzsche, but. Um, and yet so, so necessary. Figuring out, the because there is so much traffic, figuring out the best route. Well, that becomes your fountain. transplant. So you remember when you first came here and the Thomas Guide and all that yes. thing. And just, yes. I mean, I'm a New Yorker. So for me, everything's laid out on a grid. I I don't have a problem. People go like, oh yeah, I don't go to the West Village because that's, it's really easy to get lost over there. And I go, oh, well, not really. It's lost. In the West Village. I mean, if you're driving, it's a drag because. It's six it, blocks. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's sort of like. Six whole blocks. Um, so just speaking all that seven and five K seven, that is a Russian sleeper cell handle. If I've ever heard one. <laughs> yeah. Where is your favorite takeout place in LA, Titus? You live in Venice, so it it's not going to be a Hollywood answer, or or maybe it will be. Well, Jelena takeout. Jelena's my favorite place to eat in Venice, hands Ooh. down. I mean, I, I live in that spot. Live there. Um, I'm waiting for them to put a plaque on my favorite booth in that spot. But mm -hmm. um, take takeaway. Mm. I guess Cant everything's takeaway now. Yeah. Well, Cantor's has recently opened up. Um, you can get Cantor's now. With Uber Eats, because they've got one that's closer. Uh, so I love I love me some heart attack food, you know. Yeah. I like I like a chopped liver sandwich and a big, big ass bowl of matzo ball soup. Um, okay, Jewish heart attack food. Yeah. Well, it's it's you know the first thing I do when I get back home to New York is I make a beeline for Houston to go to Katz's. And, and and get a pile of organs with um, yeah. sliced <laughs> onions on rye on rye bread. Um, wow. Well, Mammoth said a funny thing one time when his sister made a remark about him eating heart attack food. He, and and David Mammoth said it's the it, it's the food that gave the Jews the strength to defeat the Nazis. And so I <laughs> and I went uh, I went Dave really. And he went, well, you know, yeah, you know what I mean. Uh, you mean the allies. As, as a Jew, I'm sitting here, I'm like, well, it wasn't us. <laughs> but yeah. America was eating very unhealthy at that time. Yeah. <laughs> Franks and beans. Yeah, what? and like corn, chili dogs. Uh, um, away, uh, you know what? Sugarfish. Really like, okay. 
Burger Lounge. Have you ever gone to Burger Lounge? This is the second time you've mentioned it. I've never been, but I've seen it. It's healthy um, fast food. So Isn't there one on Santa Monica? Yeah. It's, it's like grass-fed burgers, and it's all clean fast food and really good. And their milkshakes are killer. People mm. go Shake Shack, and I go, hmm. Nope. And it's a better. Mm. I think it's better. Okay. I think it's okay. better. But what do I People know? People are going to try that. No, they're going to they're gonna hear that. They're going to try that. I, if I had, I vote Greenblatt's over Cantor's. I know this is not a debate. Well, of course. I, I get that. I get that. I, I agree with you. I agree with you. Oh. That wasn't a shout out to Cantor's necessarily. <laughs> I'm just saying that we were, the other day, my daughter went, Dad, Cantor's on Uber. And I went, okay, let's do it. Okay. So it was like getting, getting our, okay, applesauce, sour cream for the cakes. Oh. Yeah, I know. I'm. I'm obviously. I'm really itchy to get back to New York because I need a big bowl of borscht and some kasha and gravy and some pierogi. You go old school Jew food. Like this is like oh, yeah. stuff that my mom likes. This yeah. is like another generation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you can't look if you're. It's got to be done right. It's got to be done okay. right. I, I don't like. You know what? If somebody's offered me a gluten free matzo ball, I, I would punch them in the face because to me, that, that would seems- be an anti-Semitic gesture. You're, you're going <laughs> to, are you seriously like, don't, don't mess with my food. Just don't play with my food. Don't That's, mess with the, keep it pure. Yeah. Yeah. Really? You want to put uh, mayonnaise on a pastrami sandwich? You're going to go well, that's- straight to hell. That's sacrilege. That's a whole other thing. And my viewers are very, they know about my stance as a Jewish person on mayonnaise on white bread milk with dinner there are certain things that we just don't do well i'll tell Not you bad i love just don't do I, and now you're talking to a guy who will eat mayonnaise with a spoon oh my god oh yeah i love mayonnaise um but why oh but i keep i keep the i keep the gender separate you know what i mean i will yeah. not i mean if i'm gonna if i'm gonna go in in the post turkey coma mm sandwich i'm gonna make that turkey sandwich it's gonna have it's gonna have mayonnaise on the rye bread mayonnaise on a turkey sandwich is fine but mayonnaise on like on pastrami any sort of beef no 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 absolutely not mustard um or what do you put on your hot dog when you have a hot dog mustard yellow mustard yeah which i love no ketchup no ketchup what about onions now I would do if somebody onions, uh, sauerkraut. Somebody yes. gave that to me. There you go. Okay. I, oh yeah. That was a test. You passed. Oh yeah, I'll I'll do that. Um, it would just it's rare that I eat a hot dog, but yeah, I would. You got to eat it right if you're gonna do it. You don't want a diet hot dog. No. What are you kidding me? Yeah, yeah. Don't oh, give me. Yeah, yeah. Oh, here, try these these uh, vegetable dogs, a tofu dog. No, 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 no. Eat eat a hot dog. Be done with it. Get a, a sustainable meat company. Just do it right, folks. Enjoy your life. Uh, we have two questions about something other than Bosch, and then we're going to we have three more questions. And I'm going to come, well, okay. Derek's, how much did you know about your character arc on Lost when you signed on? Zero. Uh, I, before, before signing, I signed on the line um, on good faith because Elizabeth Sarnoff, uh, the writer-producer, um, 
she said, ah, I can't tell you really anything. You're going to just have to. And I went, I'm in. Because it was to work with her. And I had a long-standing relationship with her. I had done the show Big Apple with, with she and David Milch. And then uh, we did Deadwood together. So that was, mm-hmm. a, that was a no-brainer for me. It was just really a when and where. And the more they tried to tell me about it, uh, the man in black, a.k.a. Smokey, um, I didn't want to know. I felt like ignorance was bliss and mm-hmm. informing the performance that I wanted to. I, I, I just sort of wanted to look at the character and just see where it went. And it's funny because I, I watched the show long before I was cast on the show. Um, and so I didn't want to know. I didn't want to know. I wanted to sort of experience it, honestly. Uh, in the, I mean, obviously, I read the scripts. I, I had a sense of things, but I didn't. I, I, I didn't know, and did, and and sort of purposely uh, requested to be kept in the dark about it. And I, I just recently started to watch the show with my family because everybody said, "Hey, you know, we never really did the entire all the seasons of Bosch of uh, Lost." Mm-hmm. And uh, I didn't forget, but if that isn't one of the best pilots ever made, I mean, that show that show is going to go down in history. It's just, it's really good. It's really, really good. Alika underscore Joy says so, because two people had a similar question. So basically all the spoilers locked down. And so you pretty much found out as you got the scripts. Nothing ahead of time. Yeah, nothing ahead of time. Zero. Lil Cake Pop says, hi, Eliza and Co. Just wanted to know what Titus's favorite memory from Lost is. My favorite memory from Lost was my late wife and daughter would come and visit me in Hawaii. They'd come and stay. Um, and we would go to Kailua in Lanikai, which is where we would stay. Um, and just uh, that's where I first saw stand up paddleboarding and started to do it. I'm not, I'm not uh, upset. Well, I'm a little obsessed with it. Um, <laughs> there's that. Uh, but also just um, Mark Pellegrino, who, as you know, played Jacob. He and I were really close friends and worked together before. And there's really, you know, there's nothing better than working with friends, people that you love. He and I just, yeah, sure. we had, we had a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun. There were, um, there was a PF Chang's and we just used to go down there and devour, yes. devour that. Lettuce cups. <laughs> so good. Um, Rebby dot Y. We know Bosch loves the classics because we know Bosch loves jazz. Uh, but who's your favorite band or artist? Or type of music, whatever. I'm what all, do you listen to? I'm all over the map with music. I listen to classical, jazz, rock, acid, rock. Uh, I'm I'm really all over the place. Yeah. As far as uh, you know, favorite jazz. I'm. I'm uh, that's tough. I'm a Coltrane fan, hence that's why that dog has that name. You picked that name. Yeah. I love that. Um, yeah, I would. I, I I listen to. I've got sort of Coltrane is kind of in rotation in my playlist. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Art Blakey. I, you know, my, obviously Miles Davis. I, I love, I love a lot of different kinds of music, but I'm a huge Foo Fighters, Deftones, um, guy, you know, Stones, like a, Aerosmith. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of all over the map. I think that's the way to be. I always think it's a little odd. If you're like, what's your all-time favorite movie, favorite band, favorite artist? You're like, who just has the one that they rep for yeah. like 24-7? I'm not a genre snob, nor am I an artist snob. I like, is it, there's there a good hook? I'm in. Yeah, I'm with I you. I don't care. Um, last two, and then we'll do, we'll do something else. Uh, KP St. Louis 2 FL. Uh, most people have little quirks about them here and there. Titus, what's your quirkiest quirk? <laughs> wow jesus uh, super I don't, self-reflective yeah. that would have to be you'd have to ask some, a member of my family my quirkiest quirk or a quirk I, I think i i think i have many quirks i have so many that i can't summon one in my head in this moment uh are you all quirk so much that it's even weirder if you have something normal about you are you that quirky it, it 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 might be that I, I I get I get um okay this would be they I, they would agree um when I'm cooking mm-hmm. I I get uh, very uh, territorial not that I can't uh, not that I can't if somebody says hey put a little more salt or maybe something it's a physical space thing when I'm cooking yeah. Um, and I'm and I'm uh, a compulsive. I, I clean as I cook. Mm-hmm. I cannot bear uh, pots, pans, dishes in the sink. It doesn't matter if if my woman and I are having a, a dinner party for four people or a hundred and four people. I will not go to bed until that kitchen is spotless. I can't bear. Uh, yeah, I, I just can't bear that. My husband is a chef and he is the exact same way. We, it's the second the last bite is done, he's like, I got to clean it. Yeah. And I am like, oh, I don't know where anything goes. I couldn't possibly help. See, that's naughty. <laughs> it's, Particularly it's after, naughty. After, he's, after he's slick. But see, that's my thing is I clean as I go. But I'm, I'm just yeah. like your husband in that way. Once I've um, finished eating, it is, it is not uncommon for me to get up from the table and say, carry on among yourselves and start clearing the table. Yeah. Um, got to clean it up. I got, yeah, I can't. No, got to clean the evidence, clear the evidence. I can't sit there. I can't sit there. I think it's, uh, it's that, that thing of, uh, you know, growing up in New York and seeing people, you know, back when you could smoke in restaurants, oh. eating and then smoking and putting their cigarettes out on their, on their plate and their leftover food. Oh, that's horrific. I mean, I will say New Yorkers, I lived there this summer it's the city of brilliant people. Uh, I was disgusted how many people just throw their cigarettes on the floor. And these are like the great thinkers of our country. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's just throw it. So that's my, my mission to get New Yorkers up doing that. Um, for, for what it's worth, I like to race through my food so that I can go to the living room and watch Bosch. And my husband's like, let's clean up so we can enjoy Bosch. I'm like, let's watch six hours of Bosch and then we'll go clean up. <laughs> See, I, I, you married a good man. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> you married a good man. See, I'm I'm still that thing. I'm like, yeah, before we hit dessert, because that's what that's what my girlfriend and my kid, they're all let's it's not that they don't um appreciate the meal, um, savor that thing, 
but I always can see it clicked and they go boom and they're away, they're racing away from the table to get into the yeah. cinema room and what are we watching tonight let's you know that's been the whole jazz of this of the quarantine is what haven't we seen and there's a lot of good stuff i don't know if you checked out the sinner but um i heard that was great i'm i need i'm i'm getting to that place in bosch where i now I'm like savoring it because we would just consume it and now I know it's almost over. And I it takes me a couple days, like with a good book, you mourn the loss of your characters. Yeah. I watched Mad Men all the way through and I missed the 60s. Yeah. Like I missed them and I'm going to miss you yeah. <laughs> when it's over. You should watch uh, The Sinner. It's, it's, okay. it's extremely well written and very, very uh, well acted. Um, really well acted. And also I recommend... Uh, the Outsider um, on on HBO with um, Yul Vasquez and uh, I heard that was really good also. And, and ba- yeah, yeah, Stephen King. I mean, it's kind of it, you got to work hard to mess that up. Can we ask? Okay, so this show, Ask Eliza Anything, it's a lot of like life advice, and we keep it light and serious. So I was hoping we could ask you one or two non Bosch, non just real life questions from people that want you to help them with their lives. Okay. Okay, and then we'll do Top of the Cob, and then uh, you can go back to Cantor's. We'll release you. <laughs> uh, so this one, I'm try- I'll try to condense this, but I'll just read it. And I picked this one because it involves a film set. And if there's one thing you know, among many things, it's behavior on a film set. Um, sorry it's not Bosch-specific, but it seemed appropriate considering how parties involved are uh, familiar with these environments. Context, right before quarantine, I had a pretty sweet feature film gig, this is a woman, as a department head, my dream role. I'm a newbie and the youngest on a set, even if I'm in a position of power. Okay, everybody else is someone and I'm a newbie, meaning they're established and usually attached to a well-known A-list project and they're doing this indie as a personal favor. Uh, Not gonna lie, finding a place on set has been hard for me. On one of the last days of shooting before we got shut down, my mom got an awful medical diagnosis and I got the call on set and stepped away. One of the older producers took Uh, looks out for me and she came after me she gave me a big hug and comforted me all privately so i didn't cause a scene another department head a male much older who has been nothing but patronizing to me from the start saw it later that day somebody in his department touched something that belonged to my department and it broke and i tried to be respectful uh to him and his response was what are you gonna do if it doesn't work next time go cry on the producer's shoulder I was livid, but I told him to leave my private business out of the job. After that day, production got shut down, but it's set to pick up after quarantine. How should I behave? Wow. Uh, I always say, uh, you know, lead with your with your gut on that. I think, you know, I I, I would sort of conduct myself. If, if that person clearly that's that's somebody who um is a bit of a dick um (laughs) first of all you wouldn't um you know you don't know the context of what the person's tears are about etc 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 so obviously a deeply insensitive person um with a chip on their shoulder Mm -hmm. you know i always say best possible manners and my father used to refer to um not dignifying people who behave like that so that when you have Mm. to address them in a conversation, 
He said, look at their forehead because it's not worth your time to, to look in their eyes. So Oof. I will say Brutal. to you, I would say, look at their forehead and carry on with yourself. And, uh, and uh, I'm sorry for, for that experience because it's, it's unnecessary. But you know what? Um, uh, assholes are like belly buttons. Every set's got one. Um, and, Just the one? You know, you got to filter them out. Uh, we're fortunate in that our vetting process is intense. We, we have a no asshole um, policy uh, on Bosch. And I, I, it's like the greatest crew of people I've ever worked with. Anyway. I, 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 would, I would have to say that probably has a lot to do with you. I don't know you, but I've spent the last hour talking with you. And in my limited experience on sets, it always, that tone comes from number one down. The director down, the head actor down. And if they're not dicks, no one else has a right to be a dick. Yeah, I, I mean, there's, I, there's, yeah, no, there's always like sometimes, not always, but sometimes there's even, even, and our crew is super, super close. It's very rare, but sometimes somebody's just having a shitty day, mm. and they'll kind of go like, "Just bring me the C stand," and then, <laughs> then I'll kind of watch the circle back and see those same people, and, and it's very clear that the person's going to say, oh, "I'm sorry," you know, I, yeah, an argument with. You know, I got a speeding ticket coming to work this morning. I'm just being, you know, I'm in a prickly mood and I, yeah. Um, prickly? Yeah. Look at the forehead. Stare look at, at the, the forehead. Fo parallel stare. Don't empower parallel those stare. people. Yeah, parallel stare. You're also fortunate, my two cents, you've had this break. The guy probably won't remember that he was a dick. Come back, pretend it never happened, and do the forehead stare. And if he's still a dick, keep forehead staring. But I bet you come back and it's different. And if he wants to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with you... Well, I would say, back. yeah, if, yeah, come, I think that's really good advice. And and if he's a dick again, then I think it's incumbent mm -hmm. for her to say, I need to have a word with you. Absolutely. You know, you were a dick before. And I thought maybe possibly <laughs> that the, that this process of soul searching during the coronavirus quarantine would allow you to perhaps look at yourself, improve yourself, <laughs> uh, address the issues that 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 were very very um, clear in your personality, and and try to um, to uh, change that. But clearly, you're still the same dick that you were prior to coronavirus. So. Go get your fucking shine box. Uh, Go get your I, fucking shine box. I can't believe. I, finally, somebody else. No, but I say that. They're like, what are you talking about? Go get your fucking shine box. <laughs> I thought you said I was all right, spider. <laughs> okay, last question. This has to do with nothing on a set. This is the last question, and then we will do top of the cob. Do you, do you, do you know what top of the cob is? Did your, were you told hey, this? What do you think you're dealing with here, a novice? Come on. No, not at all. Okay, cool. <laughs> Uh, Patrickology says dog questions. Sorry for yelling. Is it appropriate to throw dog poop bags in other people's trash cans during walks with my dog? I recently adopted my first dog as an adult, and while I'm diligent about picking up after her, I'm not super into carrying hot bags of her shame around <laughs> during long walks in the suburbs. Am I being a dick for throwing poop away in other people's trash cans, or should I keep it until a Karen chastises me or otherwise? I gotta be honest. I mean, I don't know. In the suburbs, it's that maybe that's there's a different rule. But I, I do that. I mean, I walk my dogs do in in Venice, and um, yeah, 
I I take it and put it into a in, in the proper receptacle. I mean, I think it's a dick move when people throw dog crap bags into the green recycling bin yes. or into or, or into the uh, blue recycling bin or the gardening bin. I caught somebody doing that and they went, these bags are biodegradable, man, and it's <laughs> dog shit. So it's going to ultimately, and I went, yeah, but, but you're not the one that's going to pick through that and know yeah. what somebody's job is going to be like, oh, they don't know that it's biodegradable. So somebody's got to deal with that. I just, yeah. you know, it's that thing of um, throwing trash on the ground. Ugh. Oh, Which, yeah. I will stop trash. I will get out of my car. Yeah, I can't. I, I, I really can't. Uh, that's that's for me is like the people that are coughing on other people in the store because they're asserting their their independence and their rights is to not a wear thing? a mask. Yeah, it's been coming up on on uh, news feeds of, of you know these little random phone videos of somebody saying, "Hey, you're not wearing a mask," and then they come over and go. <coughs> I mean, that for me is a is a license to to punch somebody's lights out. Well, I firmly believe your rights end at your neighbor's nose, and when you force them up my nose with your germs, then yeah. we have a, we have an issue. I will, however, throw my dog poop bag in the proper receptacle of someone else's garbage. Yeah, I, do I just too. and I don't care if you do it in mine as long as it's in the bag. Yeah. All right, Titus, it's time for top of the cob. Okay. It's the top of the cob. We're doing it right every day. You just take a bite. Top of the cob. So, uh, why don't you kick us off with your top of the cob? My best of best. Okay. I have this kind of goes back to what I said before. The the uh, top of the cob for me is being with my family, being with the kids, eating eating big family dinners, and then all kind of hunkering down and watching film or binging a good show and eating. Um, really unhealthy um <laughs> desserts afterwards Ooh, like what what do you eat for dessert what's your what's your go-to oh, i'm all over the map uh I've, I've got my daughter who was 14 decided that she was going to learn how to bake like everybody else although she she's always been you know making cookies and things like that unbeknownst to me my 14-year-old daughter, Cora, makes the best apple pie I have ever had in my life. And I'm an apple pie guy. I mean, I, and I take it seriously. Yeah. Um, and I, we, I even went to the, to the store um, in, with the intent of vanilla ice cream. And I realized that the pie was so good that to put ice cream on it would desecrate the apple pie. Wow. Uh, yeah. Now, the other one is I I rediscovered these cookies called Nutter Butter. I have a <laughs> I have a peanut butter issue. I've been through uh several 12-step programs for peanut butter. <laughs> Do you have a sponsor? Um, You're like, yeah, it's Nutter Butter. <laughs> yeah, Skippy. Um Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh a lot of Nutter Butter cookies um with milk. I'm just throwing that in there, but not milk with dinner. Thank It'd be you. too dry. Right. Thank you. It'd be too dry without milk. It's so much peanut butter. Who drinks milk with dinner? Do you know people that do that? A lot of the Midwest, my assistant growing up and um, 
most, whoever was raised in the 50s, a lot of people do, milk with dinner. It's not a coastal thing. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I couldn't do it. I mean, my mother made sure that we drank milk because it was calcium and it was good for your bones. But I don't recall having, we always drank water at, at dinner. There was always a glass of water. Yeah, a glass of water. A lot of people. Okay, so you're, that's your, my top of the cob is, my top and bottom of the cob are both Bosch themed. Uh, my top of the cob. Um, Amy Aquino. Is it Aquino? Aquino. Aquino. Oh my God. I said it phonetically and I got it wrong. Amy Aquino, who plays Lieutenant Grace Billets, uh, her entry point into almost every scene is Bosch, can I have a word? Bosch, my office, p- calling someone into her office. I think of her as like a hermit crab and the office is her shell. And yeah. she comes out, but it goes back in. But I very much, and I put this in my Twitter rant, you rarely hear, they touch on Bosch's first name, which is Hieronymus, named after uh, a Dutch painter. Um, I want her like like a, a harried lieutenant from a cop show in the 60s. I want her to call you into her office and go, Hieronymus? And like, that's how you know you're in trouble. <laughs> and so I say it, I watch, and anytime she's like, Bosch, and she calls you in, I verbally to the TV and my husband go, Hieronymus? <laughs> like she's... <laughs> Well, you know, they have to be, <laughs> I know nobody's ever, Hieronymus, somebody said Hieronymus, I can't remember who that, who that was, but the, uh, uh, you know, she, if you look at the earlier uh, seasons of the show, she used to always call him Harry, mm. um, but then there was that hiccup in their relationship, which has never really kind of completely mended itself when she had J. Edgar kind of um keeping an eye on harry mm-hmm. it never that rift has never completely healed um and if you notice uh in in the writing she she most of the time will address him as as bosh Hieronymus. Hieronymus. oh thank you that's oh my spin, god that's a spin-off show it's that's his com- it's his sitcom it's his cbs sitcom Hieronymus. <laughs> Uh, what is your bottom of the cob? Oh man. Okay. So many. Yeah. Bottom of the cob, I have to say, in quarantine has been that I love wildlife more than anybody. Has been the pesky the return of the pesky raccoon. Oh. They are there's so little human activity on the streets that they're, I mean, they're like gangsters. They're hanging out in Venice. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, they're cute and cuddly in Disney films. Raccoon, they, they are, they're gangsters. Yeah. They're, they're like wildlife OG. Um, and uh, I'm tired of finding shit strewn from one end of the alley to the other uh, because... The raccoons are coming down and they're getting, you know, they're, they probably are going through the garbage at MedMen and they're eating the discarded, you know, edibles. And then they're coming down behind my house and tearing up my trash because I live not that far from a creation. And they're having these stoner smorgasbords. <laughs> and, and then you try to, you know, I try to go out and go, hey, guys, look, it's, everybody's got to eat. I get it. We're all navigating this corona situation together. And I know, 
You know, you came down out of the hills, um, but just clean up after yourself. And raccoons look at you like, fuck you. <laughs> I mean, really give, and they chatter at you. They're like, hey, go back in your house. Oh, they're, yeah, they're yeah. like, like uh, Mutual of Omaha meets Joe Pesci. They're like, hey, go back in your fucking house. Hey, jerk <laughs> off. Get your fucking shine box. Wait, see, I'm, I got like a fucking pizza crust. Get back in your house. Get in your Nobody house. Nobody gets hurt. Oh, my yeah. God. Yeah, and they have what? little. <laughs> I'm gonna no, shit. Keep... I'm gonna take a shit on the hood of your fucking Mini Cooper. You fucking half a cake foot. Get in your house. Half a cake foot. I love how your hands go up because they have dexterous little yeah. hands. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. Oh, they're very. Oh, they... I love that. I've been flipped off by raccoons. Yeah, they got oh. a lot of attitude, and I'm a New Yorker, so I can deal with it. But uh, but these they're they're thugs. They're like the thugs of the wildlife world. They got their yeah. They have their little masks on. I yeah. already got a mask. Fuck. Oh, see. I don't need to wear a mask. I got a mask here, not a here. Yeah. Yeah. They're rough. Hey, They're rough. Hey, hey, detective, identify this. Are yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, right, go get your magnifying glass over there, <laughs> <Dick> Tracy. <laughs> I love that. I love that. That was the... I love the little voices. Uh, I've never had raccoons eating my garbage, and I didn't grow up in a wooded area, so I still think they're cute, but I understand the pain, and uh, this is they, they seem evil. You know what I mean? Yeah. This is they're they're selling like loose joints and drinking OE five hundred on the corner. I'm like, guys, take it down the street. No, we got families here. You're on their turf. Yeah, exactly. exactly. They have no, little they're... hunchbacks. Yeah, <laughs> I know they do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they're more like these are more like rocket raccoons from Guardians of the Galaxy, right? They're, they're, yeah, they're, they're not. Uh, their temperament is not unlike that that character. Streets made them mean. <laughs> Uh, my, you know what? I'm not going to follow up with the bottom of the cob because that was Why? everything Why? I want. Oh, okay, fine. Mine was about how, um, everyone's always accusing Harry. They're always like, you planned that evidence. And he is unassailable, unimpeachable. There's no, he doesn't do that. And yet that's always the character assassination is you planted that. And I'm tired of it. I'm yeah. tired of them always thinking that about him when, he is the most by the book, aside from the occasional, you know, bumping someone, faking the warrant thing, whatever. But he's got a pretty strong moral compass. No, he does. But he pisses people off because Harry's kind of all elbows and he doesn't suffer fools. And so, you know, there's this weird everybody's kind of because he gets the job done. The guy's got the highest closure rate on the homicide table and at Hollywood Division. And, and he's really good at what he does, but he just doesn't. He doesn't, you know, he's not, he's not polite. He doesn't come into a room and try to win people over. He kind of comes in and says, huh, I'm here to do my thing. Yeah. Um, and that's it. Which you kind of got to, there's something, yeah. um, it's a lot of fun to play those scenes with a guy who doesn't su subscribe to that societal norm of politeness. You know what I mean? He doesn't, he doesn't care. And God forbid if you're, you know, particularly the FBI guys. We had we had the, the whole relationship with the FBI in this sixth season, and uh, there was a there's a uh, a moment where one of the FBI agents says, um, "Yeah, okay, fine, just stay in your lane." And Harry comes back and goes, "My lane has no lines," you know, and you and you yeah. kind of go, "Yeah, that's just his," you know, just putting mm -hmm. you on notice. Uh, you're, you know, you're not going to undermine me. You're not going to Bigfoot me. Kinda Do it love, my way. I love that stuff about Harry. I love that he says, and cops always say to me, Harry Bosch does and says this stuff 
that I really want to do. And yes. I would be, and the cops have said, and I would be in the right. I would be a righteous cat for saying so. But because of all the politics mm-hmm. in the department, we can't do that anymore. So they go like, you know, to have a direct and candid conversation, it's, you know, the next thing you know, you're getting a call from IA or, you know, hey, HR got a call about you. And right. Yada, yada. He says the things that people are all saying anyway, but behind closed doors. Yeah. Exactly. I would I would venture to say I am the Harry Bosch. I am the Hieronymus Bosch of the comedy world. Now, whoever's listening can take that and run with it because I relate to this character on such a level, minus the violence, although I wish I could get that physical at times. But I, if I ever got punched in the face, I think I would just freak out. So I don't want that. <laughs> I, I'm not that tough. <laughs> I can't even – I can run a 20-minute mile. That's so good. I'm not <laughs> – 20 minutes. <laughs> That's good. Hey, look, if you get scared, you can cut that to like a 15-minute mile. There you go. Um, Titus Welliver, thank you so much for being on this. The fans uh, are going to love it. You People wrote in so many questions, and we had to filter them out because we only have an hour. I'm such a fan, and I'm it, so glad to know you. It was really fun. Likewise, I really enjoyed this. So, you know, I'll come back next season for our final season. Yes, I'll, I'll come back, please. and we can talk about other stuff. I would love that. It was so nice to meet you. It was really nice to meet you. Thank you again. And I appreciate all the support that you that you've done out there and 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 riling people up. And, yeah. and uh, so I thank you for that. It's been well, a lot I of thank fun. you. Hieronymus. Okay. Hieronymus. In addition to watching all six coming up on seven seasons of Bosch on Amazon, you can also find Titus Welliver at Instagram Titus Welliver Official and Twitter at Welliver underscore Titus.